Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. First off, I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday Season and that you got everything you wanted. Probably not a lot of spiders because most places stop shipping before the holidays actually are upon us because of, well, because of temperatures and because the mail can be unpredictable. But, you know, maybe you're buying some stuff afterwards. I know I've got a list of things I'm picking up in January that I can't wait to get. But we had a great time over here. It was just the family. Got a lot of cool stuff. Billy got a lot of cool stuff. Kids got a lot of cool stuff. It was a really good Christmas. We also got snow on Christmas Eve, which stayed around until Christmas Day. Granted, it was raining Christmas Day, but it stuck around long enough that I consider this a white Christmas, which is always nice and kind of creating that Christmas spirit, at least, you know. In my opinion, I, I just love the white Christmases. I miss the white Christmases, and they seem to be, you know, few and far between lately. So again, hopefully everybody had a safe and happy holiday. This podcast, we're going to be talking. This is this might be the last one of the year, or close to the last one of the year. Now I think we might have one more before the year's end. But in this one, I've got a couple comments that I received lately on YouTube, and one of which the person actually referenced the podcast. So I'm assuming they know this could turn into a podcast. I, I actually responded. This is going to turn into a podcast. But as always, some of my best stuff comes from comments I get on videos. I think it's because with the comments on YouTube, I tend to end up with quite a few of them on the videos. You get some nice discourse, and I think people feel comfortable there sometimes just going, hey, I, I thought about this, or this happened. So the first one comes from Terry Warchalock. I think that's how you pronounce your last name, Terry. If I mispronounce it, please call me on it. I apologize. I was practicing beforehand. But anyway, Terry hit me up with this one a couple weeks ago, and unfortunately, I got behind on comments. Christmas kind of really sapped up my time. I've already had people asking why I'm not making videos. Well, because I have a life and a family. Sometimes I just can't get them done. There's a lot. Of, there are YouTubers out there, I think, that, that, that people get spoiled by because this is what they do for a profession. They, they don't work. They are professional YouTubers, and I'm not. I work full-time. I have a family. I have all these wonderful animals I have to take care of. I have my lovely dogs, and sometimes it's just not in the card. So I just want to throw that one in there because I think people panic. I miss a day, and they freak out or a week. Uh, I'll be back. But anyway, I digress. Terry came to me with this comment that I had to read twice because I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. Now, obviously, I'm a proponent of the M. Balfouri, the Monocytropus Balfouri communals. I've had one for years. My, I put together one that, you know, this is where my channel started to take off, where I decided I was just going to track it from slings to adulthood. And they're still together, females. I'm looking at two of them meeting there right now. They're doing great. And I know a lot of people are interested in them and coming to me with questions. So we've had a couple questions that I want to kind of respond to. And then this conversation comment or this story here, this anecdote that is just brilliant. Anyway, I'll try to do it justice. I, I struggle with reading these flipping things out loud. Every time I try to read somebody's correspondence, I feel like I make them sound like an idiot. So I apologize, Terry, if I don't do this justice. But anyway, here goes. I bought five monocentropus balfouries several months ago. When I got home, I put them in a small cricket keeper and I covered the top with mesh so that they couldn't escape. Or so I thought. I recently removed the lid on that container because I hadn't seen any of the spiderlings for quite some time, even at night. Much to my chagrin, great use of a word there, none of the spiderlings were there. I presumed that they had all died. Today, I pulled out my hexagonal tank from storage in order to get it ready for the possible purchase of an arboreal tarantula in the future. Guess what I found at the bottom of the tank? All five of the balfouries. What's truly amazing to me is not only were they able to escape and enter these containers through the tiniest of holes, my bad, but that they seem to have traveled as a group from one container to another. What's more, the hexagonal tank was at least four feet from the critter keeper. There are so many places in my basement where they individually could have hidden, but they all chose to go to the exact same container. So mull that one over for a bit. This one, it's it's funny because partly blows my mind, partly it's like it's not all that surprising. 
The slings escaped, and, and again, before we get into everything, everybody at one time or another has had, well, most of us have had a situation where we put them into something that we think is escape-proof, and we have either have a hole that's too big, a, a vents, I've had people put tiny slings and critter keepers, I've been saying for years that they're not appropriate because those vents will let slings go through, but everybody's been there, so we're not going to judge on that, this isn't a judge thing, I've been there, I explained how I lost a P. Sosme sling, the only spider I have ever lost to date. I'm still upset about it because I put them in a container that there was a little hole under a hinge and I thought the thing had buried. Same thing, dug it up and the spider, you know, eventually because I'm like, where is this thing? Is it dead? No sign of the spider and realized that I had screwed up by not covering those vents. When the thing was open, there was no gap. When it was closed, a little gap opened up and that's where it went. So unfortunately, we've all been there. I don't want it to turn into that. That's another whole podcast into itself. But the idea that there were five of them put into this enclosure, all five of them escaped, all five of them, and then all five of them ended up four feet later in the exact same location. That's a bit mind-boggling. That is true communal behavior, at least true communal behavior in captivity in a you know somebody's collection not obviously in the wild because there's always folks to jump in on that we got to make sure we differentiate so another amazing anecdote the more i think about that what are the chances now if you've ever seen spiders when they go out and explore they usually leave the little guide web behind them it's feasible to think that one of them found that hole started the little guide web, went out and explored. Another one went over, followed the same guide web, or maybe laid their own while they followed it. They all went to the same spot. And then obviously it had been a couple days. It sounds like it had been a little while since these spiders had escaped and they all hunkered right down there. That's pretty amazing behavior. And again, more proof that there is more than just for the naysayers out there. And somebody will, every time I do one of these, somebody comes up and naysays and it's like, feel free, go ahead. There's, there's, I've seen it. I've seen right now probably close to hundreds of examples of this working out. It's amazing to think that they are that community, the babies. And that's what I think folks don't understand. This isn't something that just happened by accident. If you've watched Monocentropus Balfouri mothers with their babies, they nurtured them. They don't just sit there and go, all right, guys, you're hatched. Get the hell out of here. They nurture them. They kill prey for them. They will take the prey, rip it up, leave it there, and let all the babies come and group feed on before the mother even eats. It's it truly amazing behavior and they tend to linger with the mom for quite some time i've talked to a, uh, some folks that they started their communals because they had some babies with mom they tried to take most of the babies out to sell them they left some babies with her the babies grew up and now the babies are living with mom peacefully it's amazing but to think that they have the opportunity and that's the big thing people will point out as far as the embalfores and that's why i think this is such a powerful piece of granted you know, not scientific evidence but anecdotal evidence that this community aspect of them is is not just a fluke. A lot of folks will say, well, what happens if you take all of those, you know, Miles and Trobus Balfouri and give them all the room in the world to move? What happens? Well, apparently with the slings, you give them an entire basement and they end up in the same hexagonal tank. That's powerful stuff right there because that shows when given the opportunity, these five little spiderlings could have gone to anywhere in that place, all separates, okay, deuces, buddies, we're out, you know, and gone to some other place in that room. And instead, they followed each other. They instinctively went, we need to stay together. That's incre- That's just incredible. It's crazy. It's it's just amazing. And this, I read this comment when I f- first saw it pop up. A lot of times I check my comments on my phones before I actually, I, I respond on my computer because I like using the keyboard. I'm archaic like that. But I read this one. I'm like, this is insane. 
And what I also love about this is I will have folks, and it's funny because I know my own material. I know what I put out there. I know what I say. And I have folks that will go, I've read everything you put on the M. Balfouri, and I know that you said you got to give them really small enclosures to make sure that they don't make their own territories. And like, uh-uh, that wasn't my material. I'm the one that said that when you drop them in something bigger, if they're going to be truly communal, they will all end up in the same borough. Remember, I put my nine slings in an 11 by 8 by 8 enclosure. And we're talking slings that were the smallest of them was probably less than half an inch. The largest had just molted. It was probably shy of eh, probably half an inch to three quarters of an inch in that area there. Tiny little slings. All of them, I gave them plenty of spaces to go. All of them ended up in the same burrow, webbing from the same burrow, eating, feeding from the same burrow. This is a species not like, you know, I compare them to the Pisolotheria metallica communal that I kept that I did not feel that same confidence with that I did make sure that I did not give them a lot of room that that was one of the reasons why I eventually broke it up because I felt bad having all those really big spiders in that small enclosed place they seem to be ones that more have adapted in probably in the wild due to habitat loss to tolerate each other under certain situations but it does it looks like it can be a very tenuous situation a tenuous piece between them like almost like all right we're going to tolerate you guys but this is only going to last so long so that's the that's a species and some of the other species that people talk about the h gigas i believe is one that comes up quite a bit as far as being communal but you have to have babies that are raised together you're not supposed to separate them all you're not supposed to give them too much room i had a buddy of mine that set a couple up in a communal gave them the big thing of dirt to go in one of them went in one corner one of them went in the other corner and eventually there was only one spider no the balfour the thing that points that really stands out amongst the quote-unquote communal species of tarantulas is the fact that they don't need that extra room, that they seek out the companionship of their sack mates or just even the other spiders that are put in there with them. I've heard amazing stories of folks having like five slings together, dropping in a few juveniles. Next thing you know, all three, all both groups of them are living perfectly fine together. I, I think I've shared the story. The person had the young adult female and dropped in a couple little juvenile males. Next thing you know, they're all together. It almost sounds more akin to, I hate to make this comparison. Don't, the scientific people don't jump on me for this one, but just kind of like when you have dogs, like I have many dogs and you introduce new dogs to it. They, they may be a dog from a different litter. maybe an older dog, younger dog. They somehow seem to get together. There is a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Obviously this is a big stretch here, but that type of feel that they can learn to go this animal here, this, you know, bigger animal or smaller animal is not prey. This is the same species as me and should be welcomed in to my area, for lack of a better term. I mean, that's some pretty heavy stuff. So again, I had to share this one because it like in one turn blew my mind and another turn just kind of seemed like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like I, I was shocked until I wasn't. I was shocked until I digested it and went, no, that kind of makes a lot of sense. So Terry, thank you so, so, so very much for sharing that. That is easily one of the coolest anecdotes I have heard about an M. Balfouri communal yet. I'm glad that you figured out the situation. Hopefully they don't get out again. And it's funny because to bring up, this is going to lead to a couple other points about the M. Balfouri communals. This whole thing isn't going to be about M. Balfouri communals. We're going to get to slings and moisture in a minute. But 
I do get asked a lot of questions about them and their setup, and should I try this, should I do that? And one of the things I have found over the years, mentioning the fact that they escape, is I've seen several instances of folks who, because you're putting slings a lot of times in larger enclosures, and sometimes when you're using larger enclosures, they are not appropriate. The ventilation is such that it can permit them to escape. So you're using an enclosure that you normally use for a juvenile or adult, you're using it for a sling, but you're not retrofitting it to make sure it's appropriate for the slings by putting screens over like if anybody goes back and watches the original very crappy video I watched it the other day and it's like my god I don't it was like standard definition I don't know what I was thinking back then but anyway it's if you see the enclosure it had the plastic vents on them I thought that the vents would probably allow the slings to escape so I cut little pieces of mesh screen and hot glued it on the inside of it so they couldn't get out and I think that's always important because I've re- I've received emails over the years and comments over the years mostly the emails because I'll ask to see pictures of the enclosure where people go, hey, Tom, I set up the M. Balfouri communal, like I did everything like you said, and I only have two spiders left out of five, and I they must have ate the other ones. Or we had one situation where he said he had one spider left, and the rest of them were all dead, and the spider must have eaten it, except the spider didn't gain a lot of size. Like, if you're eating four of your sack mates, it would be really big. Well, then we look at pictures of it, and there were clear space places that the spiders could have escaped. So in that sense, it's very possible that those four spiders escaped, probably ended up in the same place, sadly, probably ended up dead. If they're small enough, house spiders will prey on them, they'll eventually die of desiccation if they can't get any food. I mean, it's sad, but I've seen many instances where folks set up slings and enclosures, the slings disappear, they assume they've been devoured, and come to find out, nope, they got eaten. I did have one where the guy, it was one of those ones I really wanted to do, the I told you so thing, because he wasn't listening, but he lost a bunch of them. He showed me the enclosures. I pointed out the exact spot. I, I threw it on Photoshop, do a circle around, like, here is the place where they're getting out. He's like, they didn't get out. I can tell you right now, they are too big for that hole. So he ended up keeping, I think he had two left, one or two left. He put them in the enclosure, came back later on, the other one was gone, or the other two were gone. And then it's like, all right, buddy, if they're eating each other, that one ate the other ones what happened to that one I'll tell you what happened it shot right out the same hole the other ones got out of so be careful setting those up that you you sling proof whatever enclosure you use if you're using something that's meant for adults I've seen folks setting them up in like the acrylic enclosures with the drilled holes in it you better make sure those drilled holes are tiny or you put some screen or something over it to make sure that they can't escape through those holes you got to make sure that the tops and lids fit on nice and tightly so they can't get out it doesn't all they need to be able to do is get those little carapaces out it doesn't need to be the abdomen. They get the carapace out and they're off and running. The other thing I want to bring up is I get a lot of questions and I'm just going to answer this once and for all for podcast people here and I will probably do a video where I I thought I did this before and I thought I mentioned this before, but I get a lot of people that will go, hey, I've read all your stuff on this. What do you think? And then they do something that I've already covered. Here's the deal. Would I experiment dropping young, you know, we talked about some of the experiments earlier, dropping juveniles in with an adult female, dropping in slings with juveniles. Would I personally do that? No, I would not. I would not take the risk. My theory is, or my thought process is, we want to make sure these communals are as safe for the spiders as possible. We want to give them the best shot to have a good communal experience and not end up with losses, which A, is terrible. Like a lot of people kill to just have one Balfour, just have one devoured. A lot of people, especially the people that are against the keeping them communally would point to that and go, it doesn't matter how many hundreds of them that are living peacefully, that one dead spider there made it not worth it. And it's, you know, I, I get it. I, I don't want to hear anything about dead spiders. So I think we should probably avoid the experimentation. We know it works. We know people have done it. 
I, I have to admit, I, I cringe every time I get an email from somebody who says, hey, I just decided to drop a bunch of slings in with my adult communal and see what happens. That drives me kind of nuts. Like, I get where you're going with this, but we, we don't need to experiment anymore. We know what works with them. We know what works well most of the time. There's always going to be, and we'll get to that in a moment, there's always going to be chances of friction. But most of the time, putting a group of slings about the same size in an enclosure, giving them some burrows to pick from, and letting them go is the way to do it. Adding ones to ones you've already read. I've had people come on. Well, you have that female. Why don't you drop her into the communal enclosure see what happens? Because I adore this female. I've had her for like 10 years now, and I don't want to chance of her getting killed because one of the things I've heard can happen with them is the females can become territorial those females the ones I have in that enclosure now have been together for god is it going on five years and they're adult females they know each other they work out their differences I suddenly drop something else in there who knows what happens? So I, the answer for me is always people go, should I try this? And my answer is always, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't. Somebody just asked me if they have a, a large, I believe an adult MBAL 4 in a 12 by 12 by 12 exoterra enclosure. And they said, would it be okay to drop another one in? No. I definitely would not drop another one in. That one is established. That is her territory. She has not lived communally. She has not grown up with other slings and other juveniles and learned to tolerate other. There's been no pecking order established. So the best case scenario you're going to get is there's going to be a little fighting. Worst case scenario, which is probably the most likely, is something's going to get devoured. One of them is going to be killed. So I am not for playing around like that. I want to make that very, very clear. I don't think we need to do it anymore. As I said, the big thing now is to see how big of a communal we can get, and I think that's totally run its course. Listen, here's the th here's the deal. The next piece of evidence I would like to see that I think would be crucial for the you know the hobby in general would be somebody to see what they do in the wild. Get some get some footage of this in the wild. See what's going on there. Are there any instances of this? Is it really something that just manifested? Which again, I don't believe, but somebody might have been an arachnologist posted that it might have, it would even be kind of more unique if it was something that just manifested in collections as opposed to in the wild. But I would love to see more of what is happening in the wild. How is this started? Are there situations with the mothers raising the young to the point where they just start their own communal? Where does this come from? But I think we've, and again, this is kind of imploring people that are listening to this or thinking of setting these up. I think we've. We've gone beyond the experimental phase. If you're going to do it, do it right and try to put together a group of slings that are about the same size, grow them up together. Don't we? We don't need any more of. The, and this is just my personal opinion. I know people are probably going to be like, "Oh, but I've done." It. I know people have done it. We've proven it. Let's shy away from setting up the. You know, seeing how far can we push this thing? Can I drop my elderly? female and with 200 slings what's gonna happen let's let's avoid that kind of stuff and again and a disclaimer or a caveat if you will keep in mind that although there are a lot of situations I would say the I, I feel very comfortable going the vast majority of situations where people try to set up an M Balfouri communal go very very well there are going to be instances where there is friction and where there are potential there's potential for cannibalization and death and that needs to be stated as well and again to use the dog analogy any social animal 
is going to potentially, can potentially have friction. Just because, you know, dogs get along great. doesn't mean if you put 12 dogs in my backyard right now, there aren't going to be some fights. There aren't going to be some, you know, there's there's going to be some friction with them. The same thing can happen with if they are indeed truly social animals. The same thing can happen with them. So it's important to recognize that because I know for a fact, I just heard of a case where somebody dropped in some, I think it was like three slings and M. Balfouri communal, and one of them immediately went over, attacked, and ate the other one. That and that sucks. I know people get so excited for these. I can't imagine how they feel. And again, po- folks that are against it will point to that as a reason why we shouldn't be doing this in the first place. I'm sure that person doesn't feel very good about it. That's important to consider. You, That's going to be a risk you run. So let's not, I, I've been accused before of painting too rosy a picture of these communals. And I I try to always just present what I've heard, what I've seen in my own, what I've heard from many, many other people. I mean, I think sometimes people forget how much I correspond with other keepers. I get a lot of people contacting me. Hey, I saw your videos. I tried this. So I hear a lot and I do report that there are instances where it doesn't work out. It's again, I think it's a fraction of what, you know, of the ones that actually do work out, but it's something you need to consider. So for anybody considering an M. Balfouri communal. Let's just agree, enough of the crazy games with them. Let's just agree and and understand that like with any animal you keep together from baby to adulthood, there can be friction. Let's do this responsibly. Let's not give people an excuse to go and point fingers and go, you guys are all idiots. You're risking the spider's lives for no, there's still people out there that are dead set against us. Let's not give them any more, you know, fodder for that. And, And again, for people that do stuff like this that drop in adults with other ones and then they do have a death they kind of deserve what what they get for it we don't need this anymore so that's my plea for this that's as far as i'm going about the M. Balfouri, just kind of a little update. And again, I thought that was one of the coolest stories I've heard in some time. So those of you with Balfouris, I always encourage you to come forward with what you've seen, good or bad. I had somebody come on one of my videos and go, did you delete all the bad ones? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I leave everything up there, respond to everything up there. I ask questions when somebody has a situation where it went bad. My thing is I want to know why did it go bad? Like in the situations where spiders escaped and they attributed them to the one spider eating the other ones. I want to hear that. In some situations, it's it just went bad. Things didn't go well. They didn't gel. The spiders didn't get along very well, and you ended up with deaths. I want to hear about that as well because I think people need to know about it. I'm not about hiding information. I want everybody to be you know, certain. I want people to come away from if they try the M. Balfouri communal. It, we don't want to call it experiment. It works. But if they try setting up an M. Balfouri communal, I want, to, I want people to walk away successful. I want people to see what I was able to see with mine. The other night, I went to feed mine. One of my girls just molted. And I'm trying to fatten her up. And one of the times she was trying to eat, one of the other spiders came and once again stole her food. So last night I'm in there. I drop in a bunch of huge crickets for her. She got three of the fattest crickets I've ever seen. And she's eating. And one of the other ones sensed it and came out and started kind of stalking her around the the enclosure. I'm like, well, come on, leave her alone, leave her alone. And she ended up basically kicking the other one off with her back leg. The other one wandered off, grabbed its own cricket, and it was fine. It was so neat to see. So... I want people to be successful with them, so let's stop with the experimentation. That's my little... I'm sure people are going to continue to do it, especially you got YouTube guys, and what do you do with YouTube? You want people to notice you. You do something extreme. You do something that nobody else is doing. You do something that's going to get eyes on you, like, hey, look it, I have 500 Balfouri in there, and I'm going to drop in an OBT and see what happens. No, I'm just kidding, but... There's always with YouTube going to be that push to do something that's going to get eyes on you, so we'll probably continue to see stuff like this, and again, that's the problem. With YouTube, I have my love-hate relationship with it because there's 
lots of folks out there that are doing it. And and it's so and that kind of leads us into what was supposed to be actually the original big question of the day or the big comment of the day, but I figured why the heck not? Let's start with the Umbel for you. So for those of you that are coming for the what it will be in the title something about slings and moisture requirements or whether or not they require moisture. I received a comment from Johan Noren, or Noren. I apologize if I mispronounce your name, Johan. I was trying to get it. I believe it's Swedish, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so I, I did try to get it correct, but let me know if I got it wrong. But anyway, he was commenting on a video I post about the queen dying and about the new G Port uh, Rosea slings or G Port Terry slings I have. He was talking about how he's got some as well. Complimented my podcast. Thank you so much. And then he came up with this comment. I heard another guy that's very well respected in the tarantula community and hobby, and that has a great YouTube channel saying that he keeps slings almost completely dry, except for slings like Theraphosa, etc. I must say that I'm a bit torn. What is your input? So as promised, Johan, as I did type out a rather lengthy response, I was going to be like, hey, just listen the podcast will answer because some of these things are easier to do when you're talking about it as opposed to writing out a big long comment but this one really I don't and now for the record I have no idea who this is I know you know I'm pretty familiar with the majority of the major YouTubers out there and, and watch stuff here and there and stuff. I, I don't watch a lot of it anymore. And it, to be completely honest, the reason I don't watch a lot of channels is because I see stuff that drives me nuts and I see the sycophantic behavior between their fans. And when they do something wrong, the fans jump in, I don't know, hoping that they get a like or a pin or even a comment because a lot of them don't comment back. But whatever the case may be, I, I try to avoid that because, I, again, I've said it many times, I don't consider myself a YouTuber. I, I kind of cringe at that because it's it's there is a certain type of mold for that and I don't feel I fit it but anyway I don't know who this is but it blows my mind that somebody out there is saying that now I guess if you're doing it and you're somehow having success with it and you're just telling people this is how I do it I don't know I, I almost wish I had seen where this was said I don't know if it was in a comment I don't know if somebody was showing people how to keep slings and they did it in a video I honestly don't know sometimes I do these things and I kind of have an inkling of who they're there's certain ones it's pretty obvious who they're talking about but I again it's not for me to go calling people out by name so I never say it this one I honestly have no idea I have uh, Billy and I were talking about we had a guess but I, I hope this isn't the case but anyway I find this to be absolutely ridiculous. Like, I can't even fathom telling people to keep slings dry. I've been doing the Tom's Big Spider stuff for many, many years. I don't say this isn't meant to be a braggadocious type statement. This is just giving people a perspective. Many years through the website, then onto YouTube, then on the podcast, uh, Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of emails, comments, I've heard it all. And the biggest issue folks have when they first get into hobby is... Well, when they start expanding into the hobby, everybody comes out, they buy some, you know, they want a big spider. They want a big hairy spider. So they go out and they buy an adult or a juvenile uh, tarantula. Then the next big obstacle, the big hurdle, the big, you know, to get their next belt, to go from the white belt to the orange belt or whatever it may be, if you want to use that type of analogy, is to keep a sling. And I can't tell you how many emails I get from folks who panic about keeping slings or that get slings and they have some mysteriously die. And it's always the same. Well, it's not always the same, but it, I my response is always the same. Very sorry to hear about your sling, blah, blah, blah. You know, could you send me some photos of the setup? And sometimes you get a setup that's like, wow, that's a really good 
good setup. Unfortunately, you know, if nothing else happened that, you know, you can think of, like they didn't have a huge temperature drop or it got like 95 degrees in the room or anything like that, then maybe you just had a six sling. I'm sorry. And we do. We try to troubleshoot the same way. I've talked about this many times, troubleshoot the, the reason this sling might have died. I can't tell you how many times I get a picture of a bone dry vial or a bone dry deli cup or a bone dry AMAC box with a dead sling in it and a death curl. And I have to politely go, okay, well, here's your problem. It was kept too dry. And sometimes what happens is it's a it's what's considered to be an arid species. And I see this sometimes with the old world ones. I know for folks for a while, the P. muticus was one where folks would say, oh, they come from really dry, inhospitable areas where it's super hot and there's not a lot of moisture, there's not a lot of rain, but they dig nine foot long burrows into deep into the earth below where the earth has been parched and desiccated by the sun where they can find moisture. So people would get slings and they would set them up in these big pots of dry dirt and the things would basically die because they didn't have enough moisture. So this happens a lot with ones and there is confusion and I've run into it because I know with even with my own sling guide, I have to go back and, and look at it again, but the vast majority of slings require some moisture early on the vast majority are there ones that seem to do well without a lot of moisture that can almost do well bone dry people will point to uh, Turina chylus species they will point to the gbb is one that tends to shy away from moisture i was just talking about you know this comment was on my video for my two new g rosea slash g porteri slings and again i'm keeping more on the drier side but even them when they're little I put a little moisture in the corner. I give them a little moist corner. They usually avoid it. I've with my GBB before. I remember back in the day, I did the whole moisten down half the substrate. The thing webbed all the way up the side of the enclosure to get away from the moist substrate. You see stuff like that. Another one that I can think of off the top of my head, Gramosol pulcropes. They don't like the moisture at all. There are some that seem to be better equipped to survive that, those dry conditions. However, even then, give them, you know, if you can't give them a little moist spot, give them a little water dish or something. But to tell folks, and I it stinks not having the actual what it what was said for reference. I, I'm going by this comment and by I, again not sure how this message was delivered. I'm not sure where this person is. I mean, maybe if they're in a spot like the Philippines where it is very very humid, yes, you probably could get away with that a lot more easily than you could say right now in New England where it's 32 degrees outside. My heater's been pumping away, and I'm having to run a humidifier in here to make sure that the air doesn't get too dry all overall. If you're in a tropical area where it's warm and it's naturally moist yeah you probably wouldn't have to keep them too moist it would be kind of overload now we often talk about the fact that or at least people should be aware of this fact that slings are very very susceptible to dehydration more so than their adult or ju even juvenile counterparts which is one of the reasons why we make sure to keep things at least some give them some moisture in those enclosures we talk about the fact that with tarantulas they have something called the procuticle which is the outside layer of their exoskeleton and older specimens this epicuticle has waxes on it that help maintain moisture that, that reduce the evaporation of moisture and moisture loss from the spider now unfortunately smaller slings do not have this right off the bat which means they can dehydrate very very quickly i've heard horror stories of folks with their spiders that they they let it dry out a couple days and they come back and there's a dead spider it doesn't take as long and people will point to the fact like the adults do well well the adults have that wax 
waxy coating. The adults can hold that moisture a lot better. They're bigger specimens. The slings, not so much. Now, folks will say that slings can also regain moisture a little more easily from prey than sometimes adults can. So that's one of those things where we talk about the fact that we give adults water dishes. Sometimes we don't go sli- give slings water dishes. But think of it this way. I've also explained it. If you're keeping a sling right and you're giving it some moisture in there, that moisture is creating just a little bit. You know, If you have some moist substrate in there, they can drink out of the actual substrate. They can drink some of the moisture off of the sides of the enclosure. Sometimes you get some condensation in there. I have seen slings come out and drink from the condensation. They're smaller, so they need less moisture as opposed to like insofar as a water dish. That's why I've always had folks go, well, what happens if you don't give water dishes to the ones in the vials? Well, in the vials, they've usually got enough moisture around them that they're okay with it. But if you can give them a water dish, give them a water dish. The other thing to think of is the fact that just through how they respirate, through the fact that they have book lungs, tarantulas, one of the reasons we need to keep some species moist is because they have a harder time regulating the loss of moisture through their book lungs. Basically, they have these book lungs, the air goes through, it oxygenates their hemolymph, not like us with our lungs where we're inhaling. Right now, I'm inhaling, I'm taking air, it's getting into my lungs, my lungs are oxygenating my blood. It's like a direct contact kind of thing, very different from what we have. And if those book lungs, you know, if if it's too dry, those book lungs, they can start losing fluid through those. If you've ever seen tarantulas hovering around water dishes, that can be a sign that there isn't enough moisture. They're not able to keep their bodies from losing moisture through the respiration process. And they're hovering over that water dish because that humidity, as the water dish inevitably evaporates, it's the moisture is keeping them from losing as much from their own bodies. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, imagine with adults doing that, slings, it can happen even quicker. They can become desiccated. They can become completely dehydrated. And then, then you have a death curl. So... To go back to my main point here, for folks to see, uh, I don't even know how to deal with this one, honestly. So like, the more you think about it, the more frustrating it gets because I spend so much time trying to help folks out and, you know, especially with the sling guide and everything, I, I know how stressful keeping slings can be. And this was never something I've experienced before. This has been from years, even when I was in the hobby, you know, in the 90s when I was first getting my spiders, you'd read things about how slings had to be kept moist. Now, granted, sometimes we'd kept the wrong ones moist, but there was always that idea or that recognition that you had to be a little more attentive to the moisture levels inside for someone to say that they don't keep them that way now I guess maybe and it's hard to say this is the part where it becomes difficult because it's hard to say maybe they're in the Philippines or in an area where it doesn't become an issue because they have that natural moisture it's not a problem or maybe what they said was they don't keep it too moist which wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily argue with I mean there is a point where when you're keeping slings I have seen people show me pictures where the substrate is soaking wet there is condensation all around the whole enclosure it's just a bad environment and when you're keeping them in dram vials that becomes stuffy there's not a lot of you know there's no usually cross ventilation in those to begin with that could be a bad situation so perhaps a person's like listen I don't overdo it I keep a corner dry didn't sound like it from the comment though it sounds like the only ones they keep moist are the moisture dependent ones I would say that's a huge error and I have kept hundreds hundreds of slings and never had issues with the way I keep them and the only time I have you know back in the day had a couple instances where I had some quote-unquote mysterious deaths I think I talked about the Fonapelma annex I had before that I had read this was early on in my sling keeping career that they like it dry they come from dry regions so I didn't really keep the moisture level up in it and that poor thing died of dehydration it wasn't digging it wasn't molting I eventually found it a death curl that was my fault that was my crappy keeping that was me 
misreading or not doing enough research to recognize that just because they come from an area where there isn't a lot of rainfall doesn't mean they can't get moist moisture in the substrate. They can't burrow. They can't find tunnel and find some of that moisture that they need. So uh, again, bottom line, we've been doing this and I think unfortunately we've come to a point in a hobby where we've got a pretty strong, solid grip of what it takes to keep tarantulas. There's not... I don't want to say we're not going to make advances. We will continue to make advances. But I think compared to like when I first got my spiders in the 90s and going back, and again, I wasn't a huge hobbyist in the 90s. I want to make that very clear. I had a couple spiders in the 90s, but I was doing research on them. I was buying the crappy books. I was taking the pet go the things from the pet stores that told you how to keep them. You know, there wasn't a lot of internet action, but I did get a couple things off the internet. I think we've really come a long ways because I think back in the 90s, a lot of what was going on as tarantulas started growing in popularity, they were being sold where people would sell reptiles. You would find them at you know, reptile conventions and such. And I think a lot of our husbandry was just adapted from folks who are currently keeping snakes and other reptiles that you do have to be more careful with humidity requirements and things of that nature. And I think a lot of the things that we were doing back then came from reptile hobbies. So what would you put a snake in? Well, you could go grab an old fish tank and throw a, a, a screen top on it and pin it down. And then be like, hey, well, if it works for my snakes, it'll work for my spiders. And then you have certain snakes that you had to keep the humidity at a precise level so they could molt well and this they could be healthy. And you go, well, this spider comes from a similar region, so we got to make sure the humidity is high in here. It was A lot of it was just misappropriated husbandry from other animals that really it didn't apply to them. And I think we've come to a point now with the advent of, you know, in, to some respects, YouTube, for many respects, social media, being able to go on Facebook groups and hear how other people keep them, that we have a much better handle on how simple the husbandry really is. That's what all this has always been about. All the times Big Spare stuff is recognizing it's not that difficult to keep them. There are a lot of people that are breeding them and they're realizing, now bottom line, if you can breed spiders, you're probably keeping them well because that can be a difficult thing to get the right conditions to create that that breeding behavior that you're looking for to, to create an environment where both the male and female are receptive. There can be some tricky things you have to do. If we're able to do that now and breed a lot of these species, we obviously know how to keep them. And what I see signs of, and this is back to the whole YouTube thing, is folks coming out trying to reinvent the wheel. And it drives me nuts because now it's like there's people that are going to, if this is somebody that's very highly respected and in the hobby and in, you know, again, highly respected in the hobby is in my estimation, very different than highly respected in YouTube. Because if you look at the folks that are highly respected in YouTube, it's not necessarily folks you would want to get your information from, but supposedly high respect, highly respected in the hobby and YouTube. If they're telling folks that, Hey, yeah, you don't need to keep moist. That scares the heck out of me because moisture is one of the big things that freaks people out. They, I get a lot of questions. How moist do I keep it? How do I do this? How do I add moisture? That's why I showed the trick where you can use a syringe or the pipette to add moisture to the bottom, line the top to dry up, all that good stuff. And now if somebody's out there going, hey, you don't even need to worry about that. I keep them dry. Just imagine all the keepers are going to go out there and go, why would I even bother with the moisture stuff? I can do it this way. So really worried about that. My thoughts on it are that is that is ridiculous. We're not at that level yet. I do believe, and I would argue, and I've heard folks argue this, there are some species of tarantulas that we're recognizing that once upon a time were thought to be moisture dependent, that they needed moisture in their enclosures to thrive and to do well. And we're finding out that they're a lot more adaptable than that. And in some cases, and again, I think it comes down to, I'm not even sure it's really adaptability. I've always pointed the fact that I wonder how much it comes down to 
the spiders live in an area with high humidity. They tolerate the high humidity, but it really doesn't do anything for them. It's like uh, I've used the analogy many times. I'm in New England. It gets super hot. Not my cup of tea. How many of these spiders live in humid areas, but they do just fine when it's a little drier? How many live in humid areas where they have seasons of drought? We often miss those signs when we're doing our research. We say, oh, this time of year they have, I don't know, six inches of rain. I don't know what's a lot of rain for a certain month or whatever. A lot of rain, but then they miss the, the five months that they have no rain. I've, I can think of Lasiodora species being one that back when they first came out, it was all about you had to keep them super moist. There's still stuff out there, so you got to keep the humidity high. I can tell you they they do fine, lower humidity. They do fine with the water dish. I like to give mine a moist spot every once in a while. I know a lot of folks who keep them bone dry. I know I was just talking with some folks about the Pamphibetia species. When I first started getting heavy in the hobby, those were considered a moisture, to be a moisture-dependent species. Although I would still continue to keep slings and juveniles and give them some moisture, a lot of Folks have noticed that the adults seem to do very well, again, on the drier side with a water dish. I do like to moisten the substrate down in mine, but we're starting to realize that some of them, I don't know if they've, you know, adapting to captivity that's just like, hey, it's not as moist here, I'll do just fine, or if it's one of those things that where they come from, they don't need the conditions that they're subjected to, whatever it may be, we're finding out that a lot of spiders don't have those high moisture requirements that we initially thought. Uh, Formictopus, another good one. When I first looked at Formictopus, I remember back in the day going, this, uh, reading some information, people saying, yeah, they need to be kept moist, they need to be kept moist. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. They are one of the hardiest spiders you will ever keep. They will breed, they will molt, they'll do all the good stuff, you know, with in drier conditions. Slings are a totally different ballgame. Slings, they just naturally, by the fact that it takes them a while to get that waxy coating, by the fact that they are more fragile as slings, do require that moisture. We want to make sure that our slings have some moisture in there. If you don't want to moisten the substrate, you can always do, you know, a pinch of moss is a good way to make sure that they've got access to moisture at all times. But I would strongly, strongly advise against keeping slings dry. That's it, It's so bizarre. Like, it's hard for me to do this topic because the majority of my time keeping when I'm up in the transfer room. And a lot, one of the things I, I don't want to say obsessed about, but I'm very careful about is making sure that my, my slings are always hydrated. It's one of the reasons I keep my slings in a separate area. It's one of the reasons why they're in little containers. I can take the two containers down with all the slings in it and go through and quickly use that little bottle I have to add some moisture to the substrate. I just looked the other day. I saw one of them hiding out on the moss. I sprayed some water in its burrow. It had a little burrow going down the side, so the bottom level's moistened off. I came back later, guess where it was? It was in that burrow. Why was it in that burrow? It was looking for moisture. So to spend as much time as I do making sure that my slings are adequately hydrated and never dry out, and to hear that somebody's saying that, no, you don't really need to do that, that's that's crazy to me. That's insane to me. So my answer... Just gave you the long answer, short answer, hell no. You you don't want to keep them dry. There are certain species, again, GBB, I used to do a dry corner. I would I also was in there twice a week, always either feeding it or dripping some water on the webbing so they had a place to drink from. My G. Porteri, I have a little, I put a little hole in the side and I put some moisture around the side and then spray down a little bit of pieces, little pieces of moss. And that seems to be enough for them. My OBTs are my, any of my P. murinous species, I keep it mostly dry, but they have either water dishes or when they're little babies, I do moisten down a corner, but they do well. But the majority of other species out there, not just the Theraphosa species, not just the ones that you consider to be moisture dependent, the majority of species out there, the slings are going to need that moisture. So let's not start keeping them dry. I don't want to have to field all those emails when people go, I don't know, this person said you can keep them dry and now they're all dead. Well, yep, that's how it goes. There is, I mean, it's funny because when we're trying to piece together 
who it could be. I could think of a couple folks that have a lot of quote unquote mysterious deaths that involve really dry enclosures and no water dishes, which those are not mysterious deaths at all. You take a look at it and you go, oh, well, eh, the thing died of dehydration because it didn't have any moisture. So I guess it's a possibility. It could be one of those individuals. I hope not. I mean, I know one in particular tends to dig in about this kind of stuff. And it sucks because they attract a lot of new people to the hobby, which is great. We want new folks. We want new blood in there. We want new people getting interested in them. We want them to be more widely recognized as an awesome pet. And that's like easily these folks really bring in some of those people. But unfortunately, that's where their first husbandry information comes from. And then inevitably, they go, wait a minute, I'm keeping them like this person, but mine are all dying. And then I get the email. Hey, I was wondering, you know, I know you answer your comments. So here's the deal. I've lost four slings already. And then that's when we find out they're keeping them too dry. It's annoying. It's it's frustrating. It's again, I think in some respects because of the push to do things differently and to look like we're authorities, we we do things, we reinvent the wheel and there's no need to at this point. We know how to care for these guys. The the it's out there. We know it works, we know it doesn't work. We shouldn't be messing with it. So Yep. Keep your slings moist. I would not let, you know, that's the one thing I'd be very, very careful with if you're keeping tarantulas. It's a one thing, you know, and again, now I'm keeping true spiders, same thing, making sure things don't dry out too much because you will end up with dead, death curled spiders and nobody wants that. That's like, that's, that's the ultimate bad outcome for our hobby. So that will probably do it for this one. I think the next one, I'm looking at 26. So the next one will be the beginning of the new year. We'll be in our almost our fifth year of the podcast. I believe it, it, that blows my mind when I think about it. I know I always put season, like I, I did quote unquote seasons. I was being all clever with that. But we had like season one, season two, season three. This is season four, which is quickly winding down. It blows my mind that we're in our fifth year. I mean, it, it seems like I just started this thing. I always refer to it as an experiment. It's gone well beyond. It's not an experiment anymore. This is it. This is, and it's, I think, in some ways, my preferred platform. I love the visual aspect of YouTube. And I know for visual learners and people that want to be able to see something done, that's incredibly important. So I love that. But I think the podcast is a nice way to avoid all the other stuff. Like I don't have to compete with other podcasters. I don't have to have, I don't ever have people come on and go, well, this podcaster just said this, or this podcaster was holding his or what. I don't have to deal with any of that stuff. And I love that aspect of it. I can just go on here, talk, feel like I'm talking to a bunch of friends about spiders geeking out and hopefully help some people out in the hobby. So hopefully you guys appreciate this one. I know every time it's funny because I do the communal ones and I don't watch numbers, but when I go through, sometimes I have to scroll through my, all the topics I've covered to make sure there isn't something I've already covered before, which I've done a couple times. Cause again, when you've been doing it four years, 50 something episodes a year, 52 episodes a year, 53 episodes a year, whatever it may be, it's it, sometimes you end up repeating yourself because you find a topic and hopefully I add more to the topic than I did the first time. So I'll go through the list of all the episodes and every once in a while I'll go, Oh, why this one didn't get a lot of views. What happened? And it's one of those communal ones. So I know a lot of folks aren't interested in the communal stuff, but I do know I get a lot of questions about the Balfouri stuff. And so for the folks that are into the Balfouris that are listening here, you've got that information. And for the folks that inevitably ask me questions about the Balfouri again on YouTube, guess what they're getting? They're getting a link to this podcast here. Here's what I think about doing that, you know, adding your adults to a bunch of slings, not for it. So kind of helps me out that way, saves me some words, saves me some typing, saves me some time so I can keep up with all those comments. So that'll do it for this one. Again, guys, I hope everybody had a fantastic break. I hope everybody has an amazing new year. Here's on to 2022, which hopefully doesn't involve anything rhyming with Rona because I've about had it with that. And I think we all have. We're exhausted over it. So let's hope we're coming out the other side of this and we can start being normal human beings again. Guys, stay safe. We'll catch you all next time.